So, you're looking for something different. Well, you found it. Right here with expat entrepreneur Jewel Daniels. Pushing boundaries on the solopreneur journey, where we're all about learning to build beyond just business. Let's get it. Hello, my solopreneur listeners. It's good to be back with you today. I'm Jewel Daniels, your host of the Solopreneur Journey. It has been a wonderful time with our sessions here. We've had some amazing guests, and that continues. Today, we are all the way from Jamaica to the city of London, speaking with our very special guest, Rudy Page. Rudy and I have a long history together from my days of the Black Business Professionals and Entrepreneurs Conference. One thing that is so extraordinary about solopreneurs and those who are so committed to building their businesses, they will cross the waters to make sure they affect the will and the vision of what they have in place. That exact thing happened with Rudy and I several years ago when we attended the conference back in Savannah, Georgia, and he came there. So Rudy, it has been an easy, an easy 10 years plus, I think more like 15 since we first connected. And you have, you think so? I think it's more like 20. Oh my goodness. I was trying not to say that number because it tells our age. (laughs) That's right, that's right. Yeah. So since I have known you, it is nothing for you to get on a plane and go to where the opportunity resides. So I want to begin our conversation understanding where did that come from? And when you do that, explain to me what your business does. Jewel, that's a great question. And behind that is my determination. So very quickly, I was born in London. My father came from Jamaica and my mother came from Montserrat. And um, so growing up in UK society, British society, as a Caribbean person, so I would be known as a child of the Windrush generation. So my parents are the Windrush generation. I'm a child, or as we call ourselves, survivor, survivor children of the Windrush generation, which suggests mm-hmm. a pretty harsh upbringing in terms of you're born into a society where people say, well, you should go back to where you come from. And your parents have come from the Caribbean for a better life and are willing to put up with all kind of hardship in order to succeed. So the will, as we both know, the terms in terms to will the ends is to will the means. Mm. So I was really fortunate to understand at an early age that one, I didn't really want to work for somebody because of the discrimination at the time. And it was, and it was legal to, to discriminate. That's what we have to remember. At the time I was growing up, it was legal. It didn't make That's a good point. at all. So in a society like that, um, it either refines you or, or it reduces you. 
And you have to thank the Lord that if you're one of those who can come through all of that with your mind intact and still have the will to press ahead. I was fortunate that I worked for a company called Dyke and Dryden in the 1980s. And they were the largest black business in this country. And they did a lot of business with America. So that's how I first got my taste of going to America because the Bronner Brothers show at that time was the largest black hair show. And uh, we, we went there in 1982. And I realized then as the sales and marketing manager for Dyke and Dryden, there was a tr the pride in working for a black business. But I realized as an entrepreneur and the business that I did, that at the end of the day, I'm one of those people. I don't, I don't want to work for anyone. And I don't like being told what to do. And, and I'm determined to go and do the things I want to do. And so jumping on a plane, to me, again, it's just the means to get to where I want to go. So whether I've gone from here to Ghana, here to South Africa, over to Singapore, different, a number of states that, you know, worked in the Caribbean. It's always, well, that's what, if I want to get there, then that's the mode of transport I have to take. So I don't think about the distance. It doesn't matter. I don't think about the different cultures, whether I know it or understand or speak the language. There's that determination to reach the goals that I've set myself. And, and as I always say, I, I love to explain that. Um, and there was so much that you just shared because going through that adversity helps to shape who you are yes. and kind of leads you right in a certain direction. But you said something that's really critical for solopreneurs. Um, you said you don't like to be told what to do. And very often, if you are that of that personality, solopreneurship, business ownership can, can be a good model for you. But I'm sure you have learned over the years, while you are the primary decision maker, there are people who tell you what to do, um, and those are your clients. So how did you learn to make that balance happen? Okay, now the client is a totally different perspective now. <laughs> <laughs> I will absolutely That's do what the client. Maker. Right. If I, if, I want to be, uh, if I want to earn a living, then I better listen to my clients and be humble when they say, this is the way we want it. That makes sense to me because that helps me to define the product or service. So that humility is important because it's in, it's in your own interest or in my interest, my own business and economic interest to listen carefully to clients. And, and not only for what they say they want, but what market opportunities are being created as well. So sometimes you can just listen to what people are saying and what they may be complaining about. Then you say, actually, there lies the market opportunity. This is what I'm always saying, the market opportunity. So when people are saying things are difficult and they, there should be this or there should be that, I think, well, there lies the market opportunity. Mm -hmm. So what were some of the important skills that you learned uh, when you were working for someone in your sales role that you were able to transfer to uh, your your role as a solopreneur? 
Right, so Dyke and Dryden is the best example of that. Not only was it a black business, but also it was about, they were about community. So at one time, they were the largest provider of trade credit to the Caribbean business community, which was, uh, that in itself was great. They provided a lot of uh, um, jobs and skills opportunities to black youngsters that just, just didn't exist. Because at the time, there would be, there'd be no way would I be able to get a position as a sales and marketing manager. And that whole sense of your, your community is your family. And, and I, I learned a lot from, from them as the, as the elders. And the skills of just, um, again, as a young person, those interpersonal skills, negotiating skills, and just being able to visualize how you're gonna get from A to Z, you know, and, and, and competition. Because fortunately, being in the black hair industry at the time, there's a lots of brands, uh, competing brands. So just to understand, you know, brand positioning and, you know, marketing and, and how you overcome your competitors and things like that, all of those skills were learned uh, through being employed. So when I became an entrepreneur, it was very easy for me to identify quickly how I'm going to compete and those skills have taken me through to all the different types of work I've done, you know, ever since those times. So it's those early years, really, looking back where I learned those skills. So when you transitioned from working in that environment to deciding to start your own, um, I believe it started as a consulting business. Yeah. Was it a decision? that came about because of a situation um, or did you just seize on an opportunity what was what was it that drove you to that choice that's a good question i'm going to answer it in the most diplomatic way <laughs> you, know, you know sometimes it's time for the young bird to leave the nest whether they want to or not Yes, I, I hear the diplomacy. <laughs> and somehow it works for, for everyone involved. Then you just have to fly. So you either jump or be thrown out the nest. <laughs> That's so, exactly right. Yeah, so it, it was kind of that. And, and I was driven in my 20s, early 20s, very driven. So driven so much, even working for Dyke and Dryden, when we saw how the Bronner Brothers show, I came back to London and then we, we started the Afro Hair and Beauty exhibition, which still runs today, nearly 40 odd years ago, this is now. So I've always been absolutely driven, once committed to, to an idea and to deliver something. So, um, so that sometimes with people can get them not too happy because driven people are focused on the goal. Right. So it sounds like you've spent most of your care working within the African-American community and providing services and products primarily to that, that audience. Is that correct? Well, in terms of Caribbean, working with the African, interesting point you made there, I worked closely with the African-American business community because we imported their products 
and then our clients would have been the Caribbean people, black British people here in the UK and some in Europe as well and, and dealing with Africa. Because in those days, the, the UK, that was the pivotal place. But um, in, in the last few years, it's been much more general. It's been in the, the general community here in the UK and then in the Caribbean itself. But increasingly now, I've noticed in the last five years or so, we're, we're focusing a lot on Africa at the moment. So I see the growth of what we're doing definitely uh, pivoting towards Africa, South Africa in particular. So that growth that you're talking about where you, you have expanded the target audience that you reach, what yeah. precipitated that? Um, <clears throat> Interestingly enough, I spent a few years uh, in international development. So uh, Church of God of Prophecy here in the UK, I handled the international development for them over a 10 year period as a consultant running one of their charities. And um, I found that it was something that I enjoyed, I enjoyed doing. And at the same time, I spent some of my business consulting time in South Africa. And I, I enjoyed being in South Africa, funny enough. And I, I enjoyed being on the continent of Africa. Just, it does feel like home. And so, um, so I think there's always been something in my mind that, again, where's the market opportunity? If there's a market opportunity for me to do more in Africa on the continent, then I, I'll do that. And in the last few months, that, that has arisen with the work I'm now doing with the city of Durban and, you know, South Africa in general, some great, great colleagues here. I'm heavily involved in the diaspora movement. So again, I think it's that, that will, that determination to say, well, actually, that's where I'm going to focus my effort and look for the market opportunities because I've got the transferable skills that are needed. So that particular project, what's involved with it? Right, so it's interesting, and I know we're going to talk about it at some point. It's, it's because of the pandemic, oddly enough, is that the, um, the market opportunity, we've all had to literally spin around and go online. That's all I would say. So my business was about facilitating events, people, teams, going into places, going into hospitals, going into communities. But whereas now, all of that has to be done online and, and it really had to be done immediately, regardless, you know, it's like jumping over a cliff, it's, you're over. So what you're gonna do is <laughs> to, to land on that's your right. whatever. So that's how yeah. I saw it, over the cliff, how am I gonna land? I've got to find a way to hit the ground running, right? So. So, um, so great opportunity came up with uh, some colleagues. Um, in fact, I also co-own a hair brand, hair care brand called Sheer Moist Nine with a business partner called Derek Clement. We were of the same generation. He was top international stylist, and um, and one of uh, we run a lot of social media all the time. And one of the uh, 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 a lady from South Africa called Pili Mazari. Um, just was following us and wanted to make contact with us because she she was behind the South African Fashion and Culture Week here in London. So it was a big event. 
and she was looking for partners. And obviously with us being in the black hair care industry, we're natural partners. So she made contact, we spoke a few weeks ago and, um, and it just went from there. Then once we realized there were a lot of other areas that we could collaborate on. So I've done a lot of work in community, community economic development, tourism. And that's what the countries, all countries and cities now have renewal plans. So they've got to reposition themselves and open their cities up and find a way to boost the, the, the local economy. So, so having that kind of consulting background I had, I was able to offer all those skills as well. And then with another business partner, I have an interest in a radio station called Fresh FM Radio London. So I was able to create a, a program called uh, Durban KZN Going Global with Pili as my co-host. And she would bring, bring on entrepreneurs and young people and then link that into the community economic tourism offer that Durban is preparing at the moment. And we've got a key partner down there called Stay. And we've just been collaborating in, 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 that, in that way. And it's opened up a, a lot of opportunities because um, as you know, with social media, and this is what I'm all saying to people is that um, having a platform is important, but it's not about always having the great amount of numbers, but because it's technology, then connect your platform. Or if you've got content, put your content on the, on the platform and connect to other platforms. And then as we say, pool resources and share revenues. You know, and and, and that's, that's what we've done. And we've been able to grow the support, you know, using Facebook Live, you know, using YouTube, using Fresh FM, which is a digital station. And then, and then all the followers that our partners have, that then becomes a market in itself because it's all built on relationships and people who know each other and at the center is the collaboration. You said that so beautifully and landed in a perfect place because I talk about that a lot in my book, Three Sides of Every Crisis, is that relationships are the new currency of business. Absolutely. So even in the season of this global pandemic and things just going completely wild at this particular time, the relationships that you build will allow you to understand or lead you to the means for how you're going to pivot. Yes. Yes. All right. So in doing that, what was your greatest challenge um, when you, when you realized, because every business is in this seat, right? We're all in this place, no matter how big you are, how small you are, if you're one person, you can be American Airlines or Rudy Page. You Absolutely. have to pivot. Absolutely. So what has been your greatest challenge? So my greatest challenge was the, the, the use of technology, really, because I'm one of those people, I guess like many people, I just use technology, the tool of technology, when I, because I had to, you know, because we have to use email. And... I, because, you know, I had a Facebook account, Instagram account, didn't really take any notice of it. So, so that was a, 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 and then Zoom, I think I had a Zoom account for some reason, but you know, but you know, what for? I, <laughs> kind of thing. 
were telling me after lockdown in March, I knew what that Zoom, that Zoom was for. <laughs> and then, and then what I was able to do, so that was a, a massive, and it's still a huge mindset shift, which obviously mindset shift translate to behavior change. So I know I still have a lot more to learn because the technology is moving so fast and so sophisticated that again, there are great market opportunities if we, if we, we move into that space. Because I'm always saying technology has no gatekeepers. So, so whatever people think about who's controlling anything, they're not controlling. At the end of the day, it's about competing. It's about competing one human being in that race and you know with all the challenges so the, it's a great opportunity it's a highway if you apply your mind and focus on the finish line focus on the finish line so again to will the ends is to will the means so i've just taken that thinking from the old world as we call it now into this new era you know, it's so interesting because no matter where you are, meaning you can be a traditionalist, you can be a millennial, you can be a Gen Y, X, Y, Z. <laughs> you know, anywhere in between, this technology piece has changed the game for everyone in such a significant way. And you're right, it opens the door to lots of um, opportunities because it allows you to reach where you normally would not be able to reach. And interestingly enough, this show came about because after writing the book on three sides of you know every crisis, uh, my, my third book, my little ebook that was printed before that talks about solopreneur and collaboration. And you have done exactly what I, you know is so important and what I'm always talking about and what my mentors have told me is when you are small, it is critically important for you to be able to collaborate. So your pivot was the utilization of the technology and really strengthening the collaborative partnerships that you have. Yeah. In doing that, what things have worked really well for you and your partner? So what has worked well is that, again, that, that global reach and that, that impact uh, in the technology space and in terms of the consumers, because we, we've demonstrated to our consumers, so we sell products online. Again, those sales, we wouldn't have had the sales that we've had if it wasn't for going online. And even though originally that was just put on because you know everybody puts their products online, not online, not really thinking about what they really meant. So that that's that to me has been important. But but I think the the real um, uh, what really impacts on me is is the the relationship with people. That how we've been able to strengthen those relationships because Zoom in particular, even though we all feel zoomed out, but you you spent we've been able to. Oh, we've been able to get to know each other and get to know more people because of Zoom. And um, so there is, so there is a, a level of interaction that 
it's it's a substitute maybe for face to face but you couldn't we couldn't be flying all, all over the world and bringing all these different people together so easy the way that the way zoom has made it accessible so so I, so it's the accessibility it's the collaboration it's those key words and, and the relationship building it's been easier it's very it's quicker as well so that's what i would definitely say that um where there's been a a, a big change in a very short space of time because we're only talking a handful of months now i mean in, that's right you're very, you're very correct taken. about that and yeah 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 you're very correct about that you know and as a solopreneur very often like any other entrepreneur there are challenges that you face right but when it's a combination of you're small but you're trying to scale and then here comes this global pandemic on, on top of it yeah. the things that you face you use technology uh, you, you um, increased your level of collaboration but you were slow to do that and I, in terms of the technology piece right because you said that was not something that really was of yeah. need and of use by you at the time That's right. so having gone through this this cycle now mm -hmm. What, had, what lesson would you share with a solopreneur that's struggling to make a critical step in order to be able to pivot during this time? Again, it's, that, it's back to that mindset shift and, and, and technology. That, that, that's, that's the pathway. That's the access to the market. That's the, the income you need to generate every day or find a way to generate as a small business, your number one uh, a purpose when you wake up generate revenue you better do that as an entrepreneur or put together yeah. some plans that allows you again to generate revenue and so I think that the technology is really important it's an effective tool and obviously as a tool it has to be used in the correct way because there's no easy there's no easy options out there so we don't want to give people the impression but that that the use of technology in terms of market access and positioning and profile is so important, it really is. And you know, and I asked that question because I wanted to re-emphasize that point because many of us are not early adopters. There's some people, yes. you know, when the new phone is coming out, they're standing in line waiting for it. Where yeah. there are others like myself, I like to wait for every everyone else to buy it watch and see what kinks you know shows up and then make my purchase but when you're in this type of environment it gives you that push and accelerates what you need to do but your point about you have to do it you have to change and shift your perspective so that you can embrace the technology so that you can scale and you know expand your reach and in doing that you talked about pricing so in this environment, pricing becomes an issue and people sometimes get stuck on, I've always been selling my goods for this or my, yeah. my service for this particular price. Yeah. What decisions were you making about how you went to market with your costing and how you negotiated? So, so what I did really um, on the consulting side was just, um, I, I just came up with a, a low figure originally based on two hours two hours consulting online 
depending on how much preparation and just steadily work from there because I've looked at it point, from a point of view, it's about economic value. So, and you're negotiating that economic value based on the information that people require and insight from you in order to deliver on whatever it is that they've got to do. So, so I was able to think that way early on. And because it's, I, I'm fortunate in this sense because it's my knowledge, insight and experience. So I can put whatever value I want to. So I could charge you $1 or $100 for the same information. And I might decide either way, depending on what the long-term prospects may be, may be for the for uh, for that relationship so in a sense what i'm saying there that, that level of flexibility and and negotiating with the customer what is likely to be of value to them in their mind is that a fair value and sometimes um, some people can be very challenged to think that way because of what you said earlier on because they've said well i've always charged this for my product or my service. Again, it's that mindset, mindset shift. Are you prepared to be flexible in your thinking? Because the circumstances around you have changed. Yeah, the environment's yeah. changed. Yeah. yeah. And that's part of the um, entrepreneurial journey, right? Whether being a solopreneur, the advantage is that you are a lot more agile you have yeah. the ability to shift gears more quickly than an organization that has, you know, 500, 5,000, 20,000 people. There are a lot more clunky, a lot more exactly. steps involved, a lot more negotiation, processes, procedures, people, all that. Absolutely. And, right? and, and people just understanding where you want them to go. Yes, yes, yes. So, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, I love that you are bringing these points out because the greatest impact is for solopreneurs to understand that this is a season. Yeah. And in this season, just like when the next season shows up, it requires you to make the adjustments, the change in mindset, the flexibility, so that you can accommodate your circumstances and stay in the game. Because you can keep your, your pricing at that point, but you're going to price yourself out of the market. Yeah, and the, the marketplace is unforgiving. So it, it just moves on. If, you know, if you're chucked out of the market, you're out, and that's it. Or if it's bypassed you because everybody walks past you, it, it just does that, <laughs> that's it. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. <clears throat> So uh, I'm, I'm wondering, as I sit here and listen to you talk about your consulting and you talk about your partnerships with the radio station and the hair care line, you have done a good job in diversifying. Yeah. Why was that important and why does that remain to be important for you? That, that, that's really important because years ago I realized that um, it was important to have uh, a number of revenue streams, income streams. And so that if business was low in one area, then at least there were other areas that could keep everything going. Because it's a challenge being an entrepreneur, 
and things don't always go the way that you want them to. But also with the market opportunities, it, it sometimes means that you've got to spend a lot more time either pursuing an opportunity or managing the, the um, or managing the opportunity and the gain that you've been able to make in a particular area of the market. And I, I guess I'm just naturally one of those people. I, li I, I like to, to be involved in multiple sectors. I'm not a, a one sector person anyway. So that's probably just part of my natural being as well. Which leads to you having an advantage. Like there's nothing wrong yeah. with a person who wants to stick to you know, one thing, but if you look at some of the great companies in the world, their model shows you how they diversify. Even if you look at something as simple as the fast food industry, um, you know, the, the fast food industry came into the market and they offered a particular product, but they're always introducing something that builds on top of their original um, product or the other companies, companies that make sure they do something that's a complement to the product or service that they're particularly, you know, that they're particularly offering. And one example I love, Coca-Cola has been around for years, right? Yeah. The Atlanta-based company, and they came out with the product. People love Coca-Cola. It's got its comp competitors, Pepsi and so on or whatever. But when the millennial generation came along, Coca-Cola was challenged to figure out what do I offer uh, to this generation that loves variety, right? They, they are the first generation, I think, that made us feel comfortable with diversification because they can be an engineer during the day and a, and a chef in the afternoon and, you know, a plumber at night. <laughs> so they made that feel comfortable. And Coca-Cola actually used the technology that was for um, actually in the medical field and re-engineered it and created this, this, um, this mechanism that allowed people to create their own drinks. And that's where that came from. So when you use one of those Coca-Cola machines and you can add grape, orange, vanilla, or whatever to create your customized drink, that's where that, that idea came from. It was to appeal to their target, a new target audience, because that's what happens in this space of being um, a business owner? Actually, that's a really interesting story. Um, a few years ago, I was fortunate to visit the um, Coca-Cola headquarters in Atlanta uh, through a, a project that I was involved with to, to do with a, a Nigerian colleague who actually worked in, at the uh, headquarters. And, um, and I remember going in there and it was like being in another world completely, totally different world. I mean, it's amazing. It's very hard to describe, but you are actually in a different world. But what always stuck out in my mind, is you, the point that you're making about them there, was that in one of the meetings, so I went to several meetings you know, as an observer or, or I was able to introduce myself. And one of the meetings, I always remember this, uh, was one of the top guys who was involved with Africa. And he, he had a, he was community economic. Um, he, so he looked at Coca-Cola's role in the community economic development sort of sector. And what 
amazed me was that, as you know, Coca-Cola, you know, they, they bottle how many billions a day of uh, Coca-Cola. But yet, he, all through his talk, he's, he just spoke about the one person, entrepreneur on a bike, riding out to different villages selling Coke, Coca-Cola which I just thought was amazing at that level, but the discussion was about that one entrepreneur on their bike, with packs of Coca-Cola on, on and going out to the villages, you know. So, so how I, why I keep that in mind, because it touches on the scale, but also it touches on the importance of the supply chain. So a large company, it might be, large but it, at the end of the day in its supply chain or in its value chain will be lots of entrepreneurs and it's just that they're in a position to you know to marshal so they can right. marshal all these entrepreneurs so you could be a solo entrepreneur and then marshal and other entrepreneurs through partnership and collaboration and that's the model that that, that we've adapted so basically what i did was think about coca-cola and turn it upside down basically and say right i'm an entrepreneur that marshals other entrepreneurs to get the get the scale that we've spoken about so again it's mindset can you can you spin around and go the opposite direction and not worry about it you, you mentioned pivot earlier on that's so important can you just stop doing what you're doing and do something else but still take that knowledge and experience and insight with you. That, that is so brilliant. Do you feel like the experiences you've had um, from what you talked about in terms of the environment in which you grew up to the exposure in these different countries help contribute to your ability to understand how to seize on those types of opportunities and create them. Absolutely. I mean, the way you describe it is excellent because it's that experience that has allowed me to, to be a skilled facilitator, work in very sensitive environments where people are upset with each other and work out the best way and create an environment where common values are the you know or values of respect are the common ground for all of us and to be able to translate what is a negative situation into one that's purposeful with some direction so yeah it's, it's that life experience absolutely yeah yeah and and of course as you know um, in the area of consulting um, the area that I specialize in in terms of implementation that's normally one of the most difficult areas when it comes to consulting because that's based on your experience, insights and many, many things as opposed to being academic and being able to write well. Um, so because you can, you can just get it done and, right. and, and you can understand people in the environment in the best way. So you, you, you're not so necessarily- So go a little more deeper for me when you say Forgive me, go a little more deeper for me when you say the area of implementation, because um, one thing that I love for our listeners to hear is the different spaces in which people operate. So they see where yeah. the opportunities are for them. 
Yeah, good example then. If you think there's many great ideas and people have fantastic ideas, but it's the delivery is missing a lot of time and the delivery is not, not what it should be or that, um, many programs fail. If you think of all the programs that fail, when the research is done on them, a lot of it is just it's been down to delivery poor relationships or just just not that competent level to ensure that the, the goals are met so uh, so my area of implementation so we all say implement we say implementation is key to achievement so 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 how are you how are you going to herald achievement if you have not implemented well you're right if you think about it so, so, so that's the area that I specialize in. So um, if I take an example, recent example, as you said, the, if you think of the pandemic that has disproportionately impacted on people from um, uh, black, Asian and minority ethnic people in this country. And um, so there's been lots of Zoom meetings about it but many of the Zoom meetings still have not resulted in any action. Whereas the ones that I've been responsible for, I've said that what we have to do, right? First of all, we say all voices must be heard, which is really important. And, and, and we have to reach a consensus. It's important to reach a consensus and agree what are the strategic priorities that can be translated into key actions so that we can produce some workable plans. So somebody who thinks implementation will be able to take their mind and everybody through that and come up with a plan at the end. And, th and that's what you know, I do. That, apologies. Yeah, no, I was just saying that's, that's, that's what I do. It doesn't matter what the situation is. As you were sharing that, I was thinking about um, being agile and the form yeah. of agile, not in terms of being able to move, but yeah. agile does <clears throat> excuse me, a really good job of helping people to break down the exactly. steps and components Absolutely. of where they start, meaning I've got this great idea, which yeah. you know all entrepreneurs, solopreneurs come to the table with. But the ability to actually see that idea come to fruition is a whole nother ball game. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And if you and if you if you kind of you find the people who are good at implementation, they will they will always have what we call a conceptual framework to which to ensure that the implementation takes place. And it's flexible enough to take in all the components. So the way I look at the world now and all everything I do around regeneration and community economic development. So I have a conceptual framework that just simply says um, it's about to create a lifelong 21st century skills legacy for inspiring peaceful caring and enterprising clusters 
within neighbourhoods for youth development, community economic well-being, digital innovation and civic participation. So that conceptual framework then allows you now to fit in any private, public, NGO, entity, system, and it aligns with any systems. And it, can, and it can take in any policy or any reports for action. And then set out what the delivery is. That's extraordinary. Your vision is just so crystal clear and it has a really strong, narrow focus to it. You know, uh, I, he I heard the different areas that you were hitting, mm -hmm. but in the way you compose the sentence, I actually could visualize what it is that you wanted to do, which is so important as part of this journey that solopreneurs are on. And the honest uh, part of that is it takes time to get there, doesn't it? Absolutely. This, this is 40 years in the making. <laughs> Overcoming unseen barriers. That's the title of my book, <laughs> forthcoming book. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, that's a great title because people need to understand that in, in this area of business and this journey that we're on, you don't get out of it without some scars. Absolutely. But how, far, how, you know, how fast you learn, how well you learn, determines how deep that scar. <laughs> Seriously, because I remember years ago, um, I learned this thing. It said, happier, happier those who dream dreams and are ready to pay the price for success. That's right. That's, that's right. Life. And I often tell you a story where I was sitting, uh, one of the young ladies who I interviewed for the launch, a good friend of mine, we used to go to church together years ago. And I was on my solopreneur journey at that time. <clears throat> and I remember sitting in church, thinking and saying, oh, why am I in this situation? Here I go again. Why am I in this place? And I never remember the pastor's name. I feel so bad that I don't remember his name. But I remember what he said, and his exact words were, the lesson will continue to be taught until it was learned. And I said, oh, that's it. That's why my stars are so deep, because I'm not getting it. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Lessons learned. I'm always telling, me that, telling myself that continually. <laughs> I know what you're yeah. saying. Yeah. Yes, and so when you have 40 years in the game, that's why you have crafted, you know, your vision statement because then it gives you those guardrails for what you need to exactly. do, what you don't need to do. You can peek over and say, oh, that looks nice, but I've seen that before. <laughs> don't want to go there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. absolutely, absolutely. Oh, Rudy, this has been so good. I. I I was going to ask you the question about what impact, but you, you answered the question ahead of time for me. So I will ask you, what's next for Rudy Page? What's next? I, I believe, I believe it, it's on the African continent. Mm -hmm. Well, I know it's on the African continent. So all, all, the, all the powers and spirits are sending me onto the, onto the continent. And I have been to Cape Castle in, up in Ghana and 
And you know, at Cape Castle, they've got the door of no return. Because, of course, you know, when there's, you know, the, the enslaved or those people to, who were to be enslaved, when they went through that door, that was it. But, of course, you can now walk back and, and it's a big sign there that says door of return. And you can walk yeah. back in the door. So, so that's how I, that, so that's, that's where I'm heading. I've been through the door, so I've returned. I've nice. returned to the continent. Very, very nice. I'm excited for you and that part of your journey and that you continue to be the example of when you're a solopreneur, you're not alone when you learn how to collaborate. Exactly. When you utilize strategy, when you learn from the lessons gained by those scars, small, large, deep, <laughs> and, and then no longer have to find yourself in that place. So I'm grateful to you for spending this time with us on the solopreneur journey and really looking forward to what will come for you. Last Thank question, you. what do you want for your children? I know you have kids. A lot of yeah. us go into business and we try to create legacies for our children. Mm -hmm. What will yours be for your children? I, I think mine, I hope that they've learned that not to give up and to understand life is unfair. <laughs> You accept that, but just again to learn the lessons, learn the lessons from your father and your father's friends, you know, and uh, yes, exactly, exactly, and and, um, and and I hope they stay true to themselves. Really, they are who they are, and that's it. The best. That right there is good. Yeah. That's really good because sometimes people are so busy trying to craft what they think the world needs and exactly. wants them to be. Yeah. It minimizes their success. Exactly. Exactly. That's good, Rudy Page. Exactly. Thank you for joining us again, like I Great said. To you. And mm -hmm. I hope to see you again. We we share something in common with our Jamaican roots, which exactly. is beautiful. Exactly. <laughs> I'm going to make sure we meet next time I'm in Jamaica. Yes, I look forward to that and collaborating with you in any way that I can. Oh, and definitely. You offer, you know, here on the Solopreneur Journey, we say that we, we interview guests who are on the ground as solopreneurs, but those who have found success over the years and want to pay it forward. And you are doing just that. Best wishes to you, my friend. Thank you very much. It is always a pleasure to be here with you on the Solopreneur Journey. Make sure you visit our website where you can join us as a member and take advantage of online courses, our newsletter, coaching services, and so much more. That's www.thesolopreneurjourney.net. Keep listening. It's been another great time spent with you. Thanks for joining this episode of the Solopreneur Journey with expat entrepreneur Jewel Daniels, where we love being your ear candy. Let us hear from you by dropping a note at www.thesolopreneurjourney.net. Remember, you may be working on your single shingle enterprise, but you're not alone. See you next time when we push boundaries to build beyond just business.